It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy holidays. We have a Christmas gift for you this week with this episode with Joel Tudor. But before I toss to Joel, I just want to point your attention to Florence Marine X. They are partners of ours and help make this podcast dream work. So for whatever outdoor gear you might need, Florence Gear is North Shore tested by John John himself along with a crew of test pilots. I actually went sailing with the Florence crew the day before recording this conversation with Joel Tudor. And on a boat in the elements, you recognize the value of that ripstop Cordura material the warmth of an insulated puffer, the vital necessity of a waterproof shell. All of it is purpose-driven product designed for use and longevity. So check it all out at FlorenceMarineX.com. And of course, see it all in action on John John's Instagram and YouTube channel, FlorenceMarineX.com. Thank you and enjoy. And do yourself a favor if you haven't already and go to athleticgreens.com surf to fortify yourself for any and everything with AG1. I've been on this daily for nearly the last two years and it is the easiest, quickest, and best quality path to optimal nutrition, which by the way, serves me in all areas of life. AG1 is just a whole food green powder with probiotics, vitamins, minerals. It's one scoop of powder that I mix with eight ounces of water every morning. It tastes great. And before 7 a.m., I've already covered my nutritional needs for the day. My synapses are firing and I am good to go. So research it all on their website to verify the hype, but go through our portal to support us, athleticgreens.com surf. Perform at your highest level, feel better, and eliminate that stress and anxiety of trying to dutifully shop for and fit various supplements and vegetables into your diet every day of every week. Simplify it all, deliver to your door monthly, set it once, and forget it at athleticgreens.com surf. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
that I know the way it goes. You gotta pay back every penny that you owe. Three-time world longboard champ, Brazilian jiu-jitsu national champion, Pan-American champ, two-time no-gi world champ, duct tape invitational founder, defender of traditionalism, and a surf elder advocate. Joel Tudor is our guest today. Joel is universally revered as the single greatest longboarder of all time. Although, just with me saying that, he's probably texting me right now to explain how Phil, Nat, Donald, and David are all superior. But nearly everyone else would agree with me, Joel is the guy. He entered the scene as a childhood prodigy, won various titles over the years, has shifted and influenced surf culture in immeasurable ways, and then in October of 2021, at the age of 45, Joel returned to competition after a 17-year hiatus to win his third World Longboard Championship, making him the oldest surf world champ ever. And then in March of 2022, the World Surf League suspended their sitting world champ, allegedly, for Instagram banter. Joel deleted the offending posts and has not mentioned his suspension publicly since. There was no mention of his name at the 2022 championship event, and in fact, the WSL hasn't released any information about the length or details of Joel's suspension. So imagine my delight when I was cooking dinner a few Fridays ago and I got a DM from Joel saying, quote, As much as I hate podcasts, I'm slowly accepting that it's one of the only forms of free media that we still have left, so it might be time to let him hear some honesty." I've been wanting to do this with Joel for years, long before his suspension, but perhaps the timing has worked out perfectly. So we'll do a deep dive into his suspension and much, much more. Without further ado, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Joel Tudor. Sing upon my knees and praise the kindness of a gentle breeze. I see it swell like a story in me to tell, told years away and past my day of dying. So you raise them up to have and always have. There are nowhere shall give a hand to help some Or you give them away But they'll come back to you someday Wanna know why nobody was ever there to help them And no, it ain't fair And if God forbid you care It's enough to get you in a whole lot of trouble Should we start with the suspension? Sure. I actually was just actually talking about it earlier because uh, I'm still technically suspended uh, until I think January, and I didn't really realize that until because I was just in Hawaii and I was gonna get in the in the booth to help commentate for you know during when Tosh surfed, but I'm still not allowed in the commenting booth because they're streaming the content. I don't know all this how exactly it works, but they're streaming it, so technically it's on their feed. So technically. Okay. Um, Well, let's start with the statement that they left, that they gave in March 
2022? I never read it. I, I'm horrible with emails, so they probably sent it to me and I didn't read it. I would just talk to Devin directly. Perfect. I'll read it to you for the first time then. <laughs> and also for, awesome. for listeners to be fully aware of what's going on. Uh, they said, quote, Joel Tudor has been suspended following conduct uh, detrimental to the integrity of the WSL per the WSL rule book, which includes a violation of the following provisions. Unsportsmanlike conduct, damage to the to uh, to surfing's image and a verbal assault the duration of the sp- suspension is currently under review what uh were they referring to exactly uh you know i think what had happened there was such lack of communication for us when the contest ended in malibu it's been two years you know uh there was like five months where they weren't giving us any kind of an answer, which is hard when you're getting close to January. And, you know, for, for a lot of the people to do it, there's a lot of planning involved because there's not a lot of financial support. So you kind of have to have like advance notice rather than like getting to March and they're like, hey, you have an event next month in Australia or whatever. So and I was talking to Devin, you know, I grew up with the guy. So we would, we would text each other and, and, you know, go back and forth because he was technically the commissioner. So I would ask him, you know who? What's going on? And he was man. I'm I'm helpless. He's like I'm sorry. I'm try-. He's like I'm trying, uh, but you know I'm like it's falling on deaf ears. No one's getting back to me. You know, and at the time, there was a lot of like talk of equality going on through their organization, which I thought was kind of ironic. You know what I mean? I was like, well, that's interesting because we've been around the whole time too, and we're never even in the table of conversation for you know things being on level playing field. So. Uh, we kept going back and forth, and then at the same time, it was during the Pipe Masters, and I was watching all these commercials running with with the gals, and it was like Longboard Girls and all this stuff, and and you know by coincidence, in the last two years where everything was closed down, uh, out of the blue, the WSL started running content of Longboard stuff for the first time ever. Like I was kind of cool. I actually started following it because I was like, wow, they're running clips of my friends, and they ran one of me and Tosh, and. You know, I was like, well, this is interesting. Maybe it's a new step for them. Uh, I said, oh, this is awesome. And and Devin had just been hired, so I was like, well, I guess maybe there's a change in the way that they view, you know, us being valuable or whatever. And and then I was looking at the amount of views, you know, because it's their own self-made media. They have their own million followers that follow it. And I was going, man, are they paying attention to the, the difference between these clips of, like, how many people are, like, watching and liking one is a Pose the other, and it became such a consistent um, trend. You know, I started asking Devin, he's going, No, no, I'm noticing. He's like, I'm bringing it up. No one really wants to talk about it. They're kind of in denial. You know what I mean? And, and, and that had been building up leading into the, the them starting to, you know, claim uh, equality for, for the guys and the girls. And then it sparked a deeper thing that went back to when I was a kid. Um, you know, my girlfriend wrote for Roxy. And her and her girlfriends kind of like upheld the image of the brand. Do you know what I mean? But the brand, when it would come to delegating the money out, they would give it to pro shortboarding, which was hilarious because these other girls were the ones that were selling the image and all this other stuff. And they were literally giving peanuts to the longboard girls. And then I was like, I sat back and I go, well, technically, man, these longboard girls have been getting screwed since then. That's the 90s. Do you know what I mean? Like not any sort of like equal payment. Later on, Roxy started to kind of, take better care of the Lombard girls, but not in any comparison to what they were giving to the other side, which was a complete imbalance because if you're looking at overall value and growth in the sport and interest from the outside world, it's all for the ladies, it's all Lombard generated, you know? And I mean, it's, I'm not making this up, you can look it up. Um, I just felt like 
man, you're bragging about this. You're actually using these girls in these image, but you're really disrespecting them because you're not paying them equally. They're like not equal in the women's scale. Do you know what I mean? Like these girls are valuable, but these ones are still unvaluable, but you're still using them to sell imagery to reach the masses because you can't do it on your own. So it sparked this whole like, should I say something? You know what I mean? And I'm in a situation like, dude, it doesn't matter to me. I didn't compete for 17 years, so it wasn't really like I had anything to lose. And, and in my son's of age, it's going to be odd being on tour with him. I already stress him out enough when I'm around at contests. Imagine us being on tour together. It would be a nightmare. Um, and, and really, it's like my time's kind of up. I just got lucky and got a, a wild card shot in and won. But I was in a, in a place to like, well, I'm world champ. If I was ever going to use my voice right now, I might as well do it, you know. And I was like, what do we got to lose? They're like telling us we're going to go back to one event and like, we'll see if it'll work. So I just started jabbing them. And I can't really say that I was very rude in the jabbing. It was actually pretty funny, I thought. Do you like, want me to read it? Well, the stuff that I did, like the, the Bugs Bunny commercial and like, like, dude, give me some credit, dude. We yeah. did some cool stuff. And I thought it was, it was on my end, if you know my sense of humor and how I am, it really was pretty playful. I was being really nice. Uh, but bring up some really valid points that needed to be addressed because you can't say you're going to pay equally if you've got these other guys. Forget about us, the guys in the longboard thing. We're a different conversation. But in, in particular with the females, and that's where I was just like, whoa, dude, how are they going to kind of like be bragging like that when you're disrespecting these ladies over here, like majorly disrespecting? And, and so I said something, and I kept going with it, you know, you specifically, you didn't, you published it on Instagram. Yeah, dude, that's what social media is for. We've, we got rid of surf magazines. We don't have, yeah. like, we don't have, what we have left are two gossip columns. You know what I mean? We have, mm -hmm. like, two pages that only pick up stuff that creates, like, traffic for trauma. You know what I mean? That's basically what surf media is now. There's yep. no more information or, like, it's just articles that get people arguing online and the more people are on it, traction. And, you know what I mean? It's a weird dynamic. It's really strange. Um, so we're, our job is to use our own social media. I'm in my own media. I'm not some huge celebrity. You know what I mean? I'm a dad who's got some followers. But, like, I just set it to, like, reach certain people in hopes that they would, you know, show some respect to a group that's been kicked down for a really long time. And it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work in that uh, in that it, it didn't, didn't institute change for the WSL. It WSM. didn't work in in the sense that the the pay came up. We're still getting paid nothing. Uh, uh, one of the kids sent me a funny text because I said something a couple months ago about how like it's costing these guys still money to go, you know. And he he wrote me. I'm not gonna say what it is, but he was like, you know, even with an event in my backyard and the two other ones, he was like, I spent seventeen thousand to go to all this stuff, and he's like, I made it sixty five hundred. Totally. So he lost money. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's always been my argument. Yeah. Uh, it's very much the same with the shortboard stuff. You don't make much back. You spend like 70 grand to go and you barely make it all back. But you make it back. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the difference. We're like, we're paying to go. We're paying to give you content to use. Right. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And, and And that part's just kind of insulting. Like, I want my kids to do it, for sure. But... Financially, I don't know if it's worth the money that we could spend for him to go. You could put that a down payment on a house. Totally. You know what I mean? And like that's more valuable than your WSL world title for the longboarders. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy to think about that. Well, it's like, interesting to assess the value of that world title, you know, and and I think it had a lot of significance at times, 
and I'm not sure that it does so much anymore, or it depends on how they manage it. But if it is just one event a year, it has less. Yeah, you know, it makes it. Well, I mean, I won. I won. Did I win two world titles that way? No, I won one world title that way. The first one, and then I got my second one. I won. It was one event again. Yeah, I won the second one in 2004. Yeah. It was one event, and then the last one was actually like a tour event, which is odd. The one year that I'm like barely tried, it was actually a tour, and I won. But in terms of its importance, like there are people who have won longboard world titles who still can't maintain sponsorship throughout the rest of the year. You know what I mean? So it's not like that. Um, it's not really a way to make a living, period. If you're going to make a living off longboarding, sponsors are looking at more than just the world title. They're looking at your value to the community, culture shifting, that sort of thing. Culture shifting, your value, how much you've influenced. Like, yeah. you know, I hate that word. God, it's used a lot the influence. but the influence thing is really important like that you actually are like reaching an audience uh we always rely on board sales because for us we make royalties off of our surfboards yeah um a lot of people make their own brands now and shape their own boards it's kind of gone backwards the lack of support from the actual industry has forced a lot of people <laughs> to shape which was how the original surf industry started yeah because there's money in longboarding and in the longboard markup you can actually make enough shaping by hand to survive. So a lot of the guys, if you look around, they're shaping. Yeah. You know, and then none of those guys are really competing because, like, again, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Financially, it's just not there. Uh, for us, the club events are more fun. My events are more fun because we at least we pay for something. You know yeah. what I mean? We put, your, we put you up, we pay for your food, we take you around, all the stuff that's really expensive, renting cars and transportation. And, uh, you know, we make it more of a party environment where, like, if you... Uh, you do well you make some money if you don't you had a great weekend with your friends in a foreign country right um, hold on one second. I'm gonna adjust the mic just slightly no problem well uh, back to the suspension the quote that I read from them their statement was that specifically related to the Instagram post were, were you suspended for what you wrote in those Instagram posts I don't I, there was such a lack of communication. Like, I never really spoke to anybody except for Devin. And Devin was only getting kind of secondhand information, like emailed to him. He wasn't really getting like... So it was kind of a strange situation. And then they got my sponsors involved, which you're not really supposed to do. You know what I mean? Like, they actually called my sponsors and got them involved, which was, you know, awkward. So uh, and, and then I was, like, getting, like, third-hand information from them. So it was just sort of like going back and forth because, you know, we have the, the triple crown and, and so it was a, a dicey situation because of... Meaning Vans. Yeah, our relationship yeah. With, with them. So I had to kind of like be careful because then I got involved in that situation, which I wasn't really intending on having happen. Um, well, it was more looking out for the better interest of the competitors, but it turned into this big, sticky, tricky situation. So then I had to kind of shut up and then I got suspended. And then it's just been like a year of just like funny shit. Like I had to watch Tosh from Huntington down the beach because right. I couldn't get the contest area. I could be in the vans area off to the side, you know what I mean? But I didn't want cameras pointed at me and shit. And so I like hiked down the well, beach to like, you know, stay out of the scene. And then in Malibu, I went, of course I'm going to go watch. I'm not going to like watch from home. I went and watched the seats and then when it was over, I left. Uh, I didn't really want to be, you know, given the situation, I didn't really want to be there. Let me ask you, though, like, because from my vantage point when I was watching it, um, the suspension, you made those Instagram posts. I did not find them particularly offensive. 
And I thought that they were actually true. And then there was a subsequent, there was a comment that you made that I don't have the quote of, but it's, it was in the comment section, maybe on your post, maybe on somebody else's post, but it seemed um, that you were inferring that Jesse Miley Dyer had a potential preferential treatment or friendship of some of the employee or some of the female pro surfers. Yeah, which for me, like whatever, if you're, I don't care if you're, if you have a friend that's in, in a particular thing and, and it, you know, it's, benefits them then fucking that's uncool you know what i mean in any situation right right to suspend me over it's kind of fucking gnarly so you that, know what i mean so for my i was i was kind of sitting back and i'm like really what did i what did i say i didn't say anything okay sure I, they just used it as like a loophole to shut me up and get me to stop talking and because it was gaining traction people were like talking about it and posting and saying shit and writing stuff all over their deal and, and the best way to do that is to just if you want to get rid of something, you just shut them off. It's a trend nowadays. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's a real thing. Like you have an issue, so we just, just cancel them and shut them out. And I didn't really get canceled. They just got to From their people orbit. that were in a position that could tell me to stop talking. And I did. I'm not going to fucking lose my job over it. Well, you know what I mean? I'll fight for you guys, like for sure for the longboard kids, but I'm not going to like go to that particular. And I have too much at stake with my own events. Uh, you know what I mean? That yeah. we've been working on for fucking for, for over a decade. So, uh, when it got to that point, I was like, yeah, no, but it it just seemed like to me that they didn't cancel you or they didn't suspend you for the initial Instagram posts, which were about the organization, the WSL. Then when there was a comment made about somebody specifically within the WSL, that's when the suspension came. That was what the timeline was as I witnessed it. Their statement that they made was referring to the public Instagram posts that you made about the organization. But when I was looking at it, I'm like, no, they weren't canceling about the organization. They were canceling it because somebody took it personal. That's what it looked like to me. 100% it was taken personal. And it's like, don't take it personal. It's your job to represent the league. You know what I mean? Or or whatever it is. Take some criticism, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I've taken it my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I really wasn't being, like, super rude. I had legit arguments to make. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not, this isn't like hot air. I actually right. have some pretty valid points that you should acknowledge because as a governing body and an organization, your goal is to reach a broader audience. Like the more people watching it, the more of, of a success it is, the more that your sponsors feel like they're getting something back, right? So if you're ignoring this huge potential to show something and you don't, then that's, you're, you're, you're not growing your brand. You're purposely like keeping it. Well, the or the organization, any organization should never take it, should never get their feelings hurt. The organization should be looking at it like you said, which is our, uh, this is creating conversation, whether it's like, there's no such thing as bad, bad press. Right. And so this is creating conversation and they should leverage that. So the organization should never get the feelings hurt. If somebody within the organization gets the feelings hurt and makes a decision for the organization that then stops traffic, that's problematic. Well, here's the thing. I, I started my own events because I didn't like their where they were going in 2005. I just stopped, right? And then like two years later, Vans said, hey, let's let's do these events. I did my own thing for a, dude, a really long time. It gained so much traction and so many little pop-ups around the world that were copying it that they had to go back and reevaluate their rules because they weren't getting any new blood in their organization. No Justin Quintals and no Harrisons and anyone partaking. 
right? So they had to go in, and it had nothing to do with me. I had nothing to do with them. But the success of my events forced them to go and have to make some adjustments to get some new blood to come in. They did. They hired Devin, which is funny. They didn't hire, like, a dude that competed with us. They got a guy that I grew up with down the street. You know what I mean? His course is going to be calling me for every little, like, we grew up together. And I have, a, I have a ton of experience running events. So you would think he would call me. You know what I mean? And my events have put longboarding in a, a, a different view. The first time where we kind of had, like, some respect for a really long time. Because the way that they did it wasn't working. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just odd that our little events had some kind of like influence on their stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? 100%. And then when I stick, so you're indirectly taking from my success. Do you know what I mean? And then when I speak up and say something that's totally valid and you could have listened to rather than listening to it, you, what did you do? Somebody got their feelings hurt. And they, they went deep and, and called, you know, they went and tattled and ratted me out and, and which is really chicken shit. Call me if you got a problem. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. you, At the very beginning, you said maybe they emailed me and I didn't respond to the email. Did anybody try to resolve this personally or privately? No, no one ever called me, which is hilarious because the people like Graham Stapleberg and those guys, get out of here, man. I've known you for 30 years. I've been on the WSL since I was 15. I'm 47 this year. Well, it was ASP back then. You know what I mean? But, like, I've been around a long time. I've known all of these guys. I've known the judges. I've known, like, come on. You can't pick up a. You can't get my number from Devin and call me. I'm well, like, dude, what's going on? Like, it seems like Graham and and you know. Well, like, it seems like Graham would. It yeah, seems like, like there'd call be. Me, call me up, dude. You get my number. How hard is it to call me? Well, it seems like it wasn't Graham's decision. Yeah, because no, Graham would, right? I know he would call. I feel like I hope so. You know what I mean? I've known the guy forever, but I just. It was an awkward way to handle it. I, you can't say it was awkward for me. We don't have magazines anymore. They do an interview. If they're not responding to emails and they're not responding to the dude who's the head of the longboard portion of it, what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it wasn't really for me. I was doing it for everyone else that was fired up and excited to compete because of all these promises and different things. So I didn't get on camera and say, this fucking tour sucks. Fucking, you know what I mean? None of that shit. I jabbed them. I had a really talented artist do a commercial for me. I had some like funny shit done. And, and I used my verbiage, which I use on everything, to kind of like gain some traction and hopefully some people would write them you know because in this day and age like cancel culture they hate negative press you know what i mean and i thought that that would actually be a way to get it um but whatever i mean and again the suspension it's like boohoo i didn't compete this year i didn't compete for 17 years i went straight back to the club events i competed in the over 40 division this year like four times well the insane thing is (laughs) if you showed if they actually allowed you to compete in the events after this debacle, it would have driven more traffic than they've ever seen oh, 100%. before. 100%. You know, I would have liked to have competed. The waves were actually good this year at Malibu. It was terrible the year that we did it. I mean, it looked good, but on a Malibu standard, it was pretty bad. Um, but it is what it is. We had a cool year. We had our events, a handful of them. The duct tape that I had to do for them, I mean, that's the other thing. I had to volunteer my permit. That was supposed to be a regular duct tape that would have like showcased like California talent that actually surf a particular way. But we volunteered it so that there would be a tour stop, you know, and and it, then you know obviously things change because it has to fall underneath their rule set and, and how they put the competitors in. So we had to invite a lot of people that I would have normally not 
pad at my events. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, you uh, lost some control. Just because yeah. they don't really support that particular style of surfing. But whatever. We're big kids. We sucked it up. We had them come, and they all had a good time. We threw the party for them and put them up in hotels. And I let them experience what it's like to go to one of my events. You know what I mean? And so that way they could all walk away and go, oh, wow, I can't talk shit anymore. You know what I mean? They actually sure. got to do it and understand, like, what we do. And, and obviously they didn't get to experience all the cool shit of, like, having me on the mic and, and you know, the funny shit that we say during the heats and, and uh, the encouraging to drop in on each other and the doubles rides, all that stuff kind of went away. Mm-hmm. Actually, what's funny is in the final, there was a lot of stuff going on at Malibu in the final event. That ride of Harrison and Connie was a tribute to our events. You know what I mean? I could see and that. And it was like their way of kind of like, I mean, no one could say my name. Do you know what I mean? Was there a mandate to not say your name? Yeah, you weren't allowed to say my name. You weren't allowed to say it on the webcast. It's insane. Yeah, all the webcast guys that work for him came up and told me. Insane. Yeah, you're not allowed to say my name. Um, you know, so that part. I got my final laugh when they took off together because that's a yeah, symbol yeah. of our contest. We ride doubles and you know, do crossovers and pay each other for that shit. So in the end, I was kind of like, oh, man, you shut me up. But the coolest part of that whole final was, yeah, that was for us. Um, so, let me ask, why'd you delete the posts? I had to. Why? Because I was told to. By whom? By my, you know, the people that... that, that or my employers, you know what I mean? It wasn't so, helping me any by keeping it up because it was just creating fucking negative traffic. It wasn't negative. It was actually I don't think positive it was negative. conversation, yeah. but it was negative in their direction. So in my best interest, I deleted it. Um, I mean, it was up. You all saw it. I, I would wish I could still keep it up just for, like, memory's sake. I mean, it exists. People screenshot it. It's around. It. People have it. Yeah, yeah they have it. Um, <laughs> do you regret deleting it? No, it served its purpose personally. I mean, I feel like it did its thing, and, and I was able to save their tour. It'll be the first time ever their world champion sacrificed himself so that the kids could have. But, I mean, you got to remember, I sacrificed myself at 28 or whatever, and for the last 10 years I cheerleaded for an entire generation that I could have beat the entire time. Do you know what I mean? I did. And, and I didn't because I had had such an exceptional childhood through Takayama and Nat Young and all these people that I felt that it was my turn to quit taking it all in and stealing the fucking limelight. You know what I mean? Because I was the only one that was getting paid and to do all these things. It's the difference between longboarding and turboarding. Right. There hasn't been a share of the pie. I was the only one that really ever succeeded. You know what I mean? And so a lot of animosity from that particular branch. If you're the, in turboarding, everybody ended up buying houses. It's just like a normal thing. Longboarding is pretty rare. It wasn't until I quit competing and, and worked with Vans to make these events that it actually became like, you know, Quintal bought a house, Harrison bought a house, you know what I mean? Pickle bought a house, Birch bought a house. Like all these things became possible through the duct tape success and giving them a platform, you know what I mean? And fuck yeah. Like I feel like I succeeded, you know what I mean? I had to like quit competing and be world champ. I could have won fucking five world titles if I wanted to. But I had to, like, at some point, do something. Otherwise, it was just going to be the me show. You know yeah. what I mean? And that shit sucks. Yeah. I don't want to live a narcissistic existence where it's just I'm the only fucking thing that's important. And, you know, and the duct tape's still going. That's a fucking bad thing. I still have a job. Well, I still get to do this four times a year and, 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 and bring in new talent. Every, you know, shit's rad. 
when you talk into it, it's high, and then when you turn away, it goes low. I'll keep it straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I ask though if you regret deleting it because it's like if the duct tape it if the duct tape is the legacy and that is what you feel great about, and then this past year you're forced to include surfers that maybe you wouldn't. You're forced to sit down the beach. Then they're not only jeopardizing, not only is your world title canceled, but they're canceling the legacy to a degree. Yeah, they can't cancel me, dude. I was famous before. Sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, though. I know, but I try to tell that to people all the time. I was like, nowadays that you're famous because you can like put a clip together and make funny shit. It was like, once upon a time, you actually had to be talented. Do you know what I mean? And I already accomplished a ton of stuff before some stupid app for a cell phone. Um, I don't really take it that serious. I know people think I do. I do Instagram for me as a joke. I like, I literally have no media left anymore. So I literally use it to like show people like cool old surf stuff. And I mean, it's the truth because it's everybody celebrates themselves. It's almost kind of fucking corny. It's got to a point where like we live in this me, 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 me. That's all that I see existence. And it's like, I didn't come up like that. Yeah. I came up around some rad dudes that never celebrated themselves ever. You had to pry the fucking information out. You know what I mean? Like totally. stuff that like is like groundbreaking shit that you're like, how did you never tell me that? You know? And it's just like, they just didn't care because they were still doing cool stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I dig that. Yeah. And I try and honor those dudes and, you know, surfing needs a little bit of history, less claiming more, more information. Um, uh, that's just where I'm at right now. I got kids. You're asking me why. And that's the real thing. Like, I'm sure at some point Tosh wants to, like, pursue, or even Judah might. What I don't need is anyone holding grudges because not everybody understands my sense of humor I, or the angle that I'm taking to get it. And sometimes people's pride working for a brand or an organization will get in the way of the information that I'm giving them, and they'll hold those grudges that can cost you a point five and a right. heat later. Or, uh, you yeah, know what I mean? Once you start you got to remember that shit, dude. These guys are petty motherfuckers, and they'll hold that stuff to you when it comes down to it, to giving you that score or whatever it is. So you have to, like, keep that. It's, I'm aware of it. I, yeah, and it makes sense that you would make that um, accommodation in light of your children. But what I'm, su I'm just surprised to hear you say it because I think that your conviction was right in the first place. Like, the way the thing that started this whole thing about equality and the hypocritical nature of the marketing was spot on and if they had listened it would have benefited their business and somebody per took it personal made a decision that i think would hinder the business and then somewhere down the road i see you deleting the post and you canceling and accommodating and things like that and i'm like what i'm concerned about is that the people who are making those decisions now for the organization will be gone in three years they're going to take a job from some other corporation and they will be gone, be gone. and if they drove professionals competitive surfing off into a ditch they're just going to toss the keys back and be like hey guys we're moving on see you later and your conviction still has value in that scenario and so why not just write out the conviction until those people who are way less invested move on yeah i i was bummed devin quit that sucked yeah because he was the best person for the job and the most qualified and well-spoken and can like articulate what needs to be said, you know what I mean? I'm a smart ass, and, and I'm not really the best person for that. Um, people nowadays are really sensitive, so it's like my sense of humor might not, might not work. Um, I 
just felt that it was in the bigger picture. If they ever need me, I'm around. I don't really care. They can suspend me. I don't really take it personal. I feel like our mission was accomplished to try and like at least get the, the guys to be able to have a tour for this year, next year. It's going to be one next year. So if I sacrifice myself for that, great. Uh, when these dorks running it right now are gone, I'm still going to be around. And I'm still sitting with a ton of information. And you can call me at any time. You know, I'm sure one of my kids will be competing on it. And I'm always here. My love for surfing goes beyond my suspension. I'm still here if they ever need it, you know. And that the smartest thing they could ever do is listen to the one person who's had the most success running longboard contests. Totally. I know what the fuck I'm doing. I've been doing this my whole life, <laughs> competing on all levels. And, and, and I studied the same way I studied surfboards in our history and all the shit. I studied all the fun parts of the contest and what was wrong and what wasn't and where people were too big for their britches and, and where the egos got in the way and all that shit and, you know, one thing about having contests, it's a philanthropy effort. You totally. are not going to make any money. So people have to remember that. You can make a little bit. I mean, you might make a couple grand for the weekend or whatever, but you have to go into it knowing that. You're not going into it to walk away. If you go into you're going to make money off of surfing, you're going to go broke every time. Well, I think that's the WSL doesn't make any money either. Well, yeah, but they've got this, but they've got this business model that's ridiculous. Million dollar tents, you know what I mean? On a beach, they charge for all the shit that's just down. Honestly, for one, with the way our coastlines are eroding and like the environmental impact of those gigantic, I don't know what the hell it is they make and they put all these places is ridiculous. We don't need it. We used to run to huge events with tiny ass scaffoldings and you know what I mean? You don't need 20 security guards and all this shit. You need two. You don't need, like, it's just, it's kind of this huge flex and we don't really have an industry to back it up. Yeah. And we need to like pump the brakes come down and and just downsize and make it cool again don't make it bigger you're making it bigger and it's becoming lamer is lamer a word yeah i don't know if it's a word i, I hope think it is, is. I mean, sounds like i just made one if it's not it's it's the truth it's becoming it's losing like anything cool to try and reach the stadium audience and we're not a stadium sport we're way cooler than that we don't need to have that kind of like giant scene to be successful you know what i mean and, and that's where people have to kind of like, you know, Robert Bartholomew did it right back in the day when he made the focus be about the waves as opposed to, you know, that stadium thing. And there was some success there for a couple of years. But when you bring in people that don't surf, you can't expect it to, 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 to you, you have to have, it has to be a lifetime passion, not just like an exercise that you got into in your 40s. Um, you know what I mean? To if really you be in charge of our culture and like how the, the shit's presented to like, a bigger picture you need to know what's up that's if, really important if you were offered the job as commish would you take it fuck yeah i'd take it <laughs> i'd fix all this shit too that's big hey, laugh all you want no, i'm not and laughing not, i'm, I'm not, laughing not, that you you're so laughing what i'm saying for the people that get a chuckle out of that i know what i'm doing you know I what agree. i mean like that's the funny part i've been doing this for a while and it, people think it's hard it's actually very very easy to do you just have to make it not be about you. You know what I mean? And like step back and and run in good waves. Yeah, run a good event. You know what I mean? I mean literally running good waves. Yeah, running good waves, run a good event. Know how to read a swell forecast. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Do things that are not about sponsors, that are about surfers. <laughs> you know, surfers first. Yeah. Kind of deal. And and 
And don't try and copy any other sports. That's where we're screwed up. Totally. We actually were an association of serving professionals, and we became a league. I don't know what, how that, how that was a smart, you yeah. know what I mean? Numbers and so, dude, who cares what number you are? Win a contest. Totally. You know what I mean, like that's the part that I never understood. Whatever. I'm probably not going to understand it. Yeah. But I gave it a good shot, and I tried, and, and you know. See what happens. My kids in the pipe masters today. Yeah, I know. Congrats on that. Oh, so, yeah, that's cool. It's exciting. Uh, and also, here's another funny shit. Like, dude, they got rid of Devin. They forced him out to put him in a situation where he quit because it was just too frustrating having to just like sign off emails. And it's like, dude, I'm, I actually have something to say. We can benefit the competitors. You know, I'm not just going to sign an email, which is what they were expecting him to do. And uh, you know, he quit. But then they hired a kid that's most famous. Competitive moments winning one of my contests. <laughs> Shit's funny. Yeah, you know it's funny. Mean? Like, it's kind there of funny. There is a lot of humor. It's, it's pretty humor. Like, I'm sitting back and I'm like, really? I mean, I love Kira, but, you know, like, that's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? So how, has she made changes to the tour then? No. Oh, okay. None at all. Okay. Uh, and and what, in, in that kind of a situation, how are you going to? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't have any experience running events, how the hell are you going to be able to? And if, and if you're dealing with a group of people that don't want to hear anything... And they just want you to like say yes to everything. That's not really in the benefit of any of us. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. And I'll be the first to stand up and go, you know, you're fucked. That's like not right. You can't do that. No, that way sucks. No, that's fucking three rights. No, that wave only breaks when it's six feet. I've been everywhere. I've surfed all these waves. So it's like you you maybe listen to some of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. That know what the fuck we're talking about. You know uh, what I mean? Well, and that knowledge is always available. You can always pick a phone up and call me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, again, I don't know if you've noticed, I, I'm not dying to get back on tour. I wasn't dying in the last 17 years to jump back on there. I just was just sitting, and I was really bored the last couple of years because there wasn't anything going on. Yeah. And Devin reached out and was like, hey, man, do you want to come to Australia? You know? And I went it's on a fluke, and I ended up winning. You know what I mean? I literally went on a family vacation with my kids, and I ended up winning the contest, and then... And I was like, oh, God, I guess I'll make another stab at it, you know. Why, uh, considering those posts were deleted and you kind of stopped commenting about the whole debacle, why did you decide to discuss it now? Why now? Why not? I, it just didn't, no one really knew what happened. I had to say something, you know what I mean? Like, no one really knows exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. I jumped in front of the bus for everybody to be able to have a tour the next two years. It's funny because there's a lot of guys on that tour that are kind of left over from that like high performance like '90s thing that are pissed uh, that like all these, and it's not even really changes. That's the part that's really funny. They think there's all these changes. They just changed one verbiage from performance to style. Kind of like in the shortboard thing, how they took the style part out and they made it. They put it back in ours. That was the only difference. It's still a 50/50 category, and they just said with an emphasis on style. You know, guys were like, "You, you change the rules, man." How you? I was like, dude, I haven't competed since 2005. You know, I have my own thing. Like, how do I? How did I change the rules? Yeah, I didn't do anything. They just went in and realized that the only way they were going to get the Quintals and the Harrisons and the Connies and is if they did something to like make uh, uh, an adjustment that just like throw a bone a little bit. You know what I mean? Do something that's going to entice these guys to want to come and compete. Can you sum up what would be the proper way to judge longboard surfing i mean i think it's hard to even argue that there is an objective way to judge surfing at all but what is the proper way to judge longboard surfing 
I kind of feel like that the, the way that they have it is pretty... Look, in any contest, nothing's perfect. There's always going to be heats that people think one guy won and the other person didn't. I'm well, well aware of that, right? And even sometimes I'll watch a heat and I'll think this guy won and that one did. It's, it's really hard to be a judge, right? Because the balance of scores, can, someone's personal choice from the next guys can be so different. And the highs and lows make the averages strange, right? A lot of times the computer doesn't give the best... The best person doesn't win. Do you know what I mean? I do. It's a. It's, it's a subjective. Weird, it, it, it just is. It really is. It just it rounds the stuff out, and it just doesn't. It, uh, that's why we don't really have computer scores in the duct tape, except for when they have it at the U.S. Open. You know, and it's awkward because I, I prefer not having scoring, just because it 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 forces that computer finish. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to like leaving it in the hands of the judges till the end. And then I don't know. That's just me. Kind of went off on a tangent there. No, no, that's okay. I get that a lot. I'm starting to. I, I see how when you get older, you start to like lose your train of thought. Tan- tangents are perfect for the podcast. Quick break from Joel to remind you that we are giving away a surfboard in 10 days on the very first day of 2023. It's a thank you to our listeners who support our work via a $5 monthly contribution. We are partnering with Real Water Sports to pull this off. You, the winner, can select any board you want from Reel's 1500 board inventory, and then they will ship it to you anywhere that you are in the world. And this is what they do. They've unlocked and simplified shipping surfboards. They do it daily for one flat fee. They've shipped boards to a boat in Indo when a customer broke all of their boards on a surf trip so they can ship one to you at your door, at your home, without a problem. They do it with a guarantee that the board will show up blemish-free, so you can rest assured with that. And among their 1,500 board inventory are Jerry Lopez boards, Roger Hines, Pizel, Lost, Sea Eyes, Rawson, Maurice Coles, Ricky Carroll's, Chris Christensen's. You could check them all out on realwatersports.com. And if you are already a podcast supporter, then you are already entered to win. And if you're not, but you want to get in on it, sign up on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Navigate to the subscribe page, and it's just five bucks a month, and we'll include you on this giveaway and all future giveaways too. We do a lot of these throughout the year. We gave away a panda shiitake this year, uh, Dennis Jarvis fireball fish last month, Roger Hines board earlier in the year, Channel Islands earlier in the year. So lots of great stuff. We'll be doing it all next year as well. So thank you for your consideration. Thanks for the support. And we're glad to be able to give back. And then, of course, waterwaystravel.com for all of your surf travel needs. Travel is stressful. It's complicated enough, especially when you're going to remote regions. So you don't need to add the complexity of trying to time your trip with swell, season, weather, leave all of that to the pros. Sean Murphy and his team have dedicated their life to this and to ensuring that you don't waste your time and money getting skunked. So whether it's Central or South America, the South Pacific, Sumatra, South Africa, Waterways has established decades-long relationships with hotel owners, boat drivers, restaurants, photographers, doctors. They are a full-service, one-stop surf travel concierge, and they've been serving pro surfers and brands and surf magazines since 1994. So they can do all of this for you. Go to waterwaystravel.com. Travel intelligently with expertly crafted surf experiences. Waterwaystravel.com. Enjoy.
Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You kind of mentioned how Vans, Vans's role in kind of that. I'm curious, what are their expectations of you at this point? And what are your expectations of them, considering that the media landscape's changed so much? Uh, I'm in a unique situation. <laughs> five years, you know what I mean? I was the first surfer they ever really sponsored, like took a stab into sponsoring surfing. Uh, I've lasted through a lot of like highs and lows, do you know what I mean, at, at the brand. And I'm in a unique situation. They've made these contests, you know, around me. Uh, and that's all I really have to do. You know what I mean? I don't really have to prove 
my surfing, I've kind of done that. You know, and when I won the world title a couple of years ago, I was like, all right, cool. Like, what do you what do you want me to do? You want to throw a dinner? Like, <laughs> and I get it, like, because we throw dinners four times a year, where I'm like the dude, you know? Yeah. So for them, they were just kind of like rad, cool. What it, it didn't really make any difference in the in the bigger picture of my my employment. It, if anything, it kept it. I was already in a in a situation where I'm lucky. I'm going to be able to keep being a pro surfer as I get older. Uh, there's only a handful of us that are in that spot. I think there's five total. Who are they? In the over 40 category. It's me, Machado, Dorian. Uh, it's very Aki. And I think maybe one other person, dude. It's a very small list. I feel like Machado, though. I mean, he got dropped by Hurley, right? Yeah, but he's got so many things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he went straight to another dude to come on. It's Rob yeah. Machado. He's going to have no problem. The guy's cool. Yeah. Cool people have no trouble finding employment. You know, he was smart. He stayed cool. He knew going the jock route wasn't going to fucking get him very far. And at 30, he turned and went the other way. And, you know. He uh, did it begrudgingly, too, a little bit for a year or two. Yeah, but Brad, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he's a, he shreds. And yeah. He's a great role model for older people to be able to stay that good at that time. Like, Rob's rad. Dorian's incredible. You yeah. know what I mean? Great, great role model. Incredible surfer. Aki speaks for itself, still shreds. There's a lot of, in surfing, a lot of people quit. It's really wild. I trip out on it because I don't have anything else, you know, uh, that I find interesting. Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I have jiu-jitsu. Yeah, we're here at the school. I like this. This is awesome. Um, but those two things are, are take the majority of my interest in being a parent. Uh, yeah. I think those are all awesome. Uh, yeah, I couldn't think of anything else. Let me ask you, uh, we've all heard story, the story referenced of how you got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the story being that there was an altercation in Hawaii. Mm. Can you tell that story or what was the incident? And that's where, you know, shit just gets so misconstrued and stories are so like exaggerated. Uh, my ex-wife actually got me into jiu-jitsu. We met when I was 25 and she was 19. And she wanted to go, because her friends had taken jiu-jitsu, and she wanted me to go, you know, but we never went or whatever. And then that particular winter, I was in Hawaii, and I had to sleep on the Quicksilver uh, couch. You know, Strider let me crash there, which was kind of cool. Because Strider and I were roommates at the Lopez house. and. The Lopez house had been sold, and Mike, the new buyer, uh, the new owner, Mike Estrada, started renting the house out, you know, to pay for it. So the, our 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 rooms for rent became nil; they weren't around anymore. Um, Quicksilver ended up renting the house two houses down. I needed a place to stay, so I asked Strider. I was like, "Hey, man, can I pay X amount a week to sleep on the couch?" And he let me stay there, or whatever. Uh, I had dropped in on Danny Fuller the one morning. You know what I mean, and. You know, he was pissed. And and him and a bunch of the kids, while I was watching TV, all tried to fucking, like, duct tape me up and shave my head. So he jumped on my back, and then, like, another person tried to grab my feet. And I was fucking pissed, dude. I was not having it. And I, like, squirmed out and fucking got out and kind of fucking freaked out. And But what tripped me out was the control that he had on me. You know what I mean? Because he had trained a little bit, and I didn't. He's younger too, right? Yeah, he was younger. But yeah. in Kauai, in Hawaii, everybody fucking trains. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he had trained. And it kind of tripped me out, like, a little bit. Because I'm the type that, like, I'll really, like, overthink something. You know what I mean? And I did. And then when I went home, like, a week later, by coincidence, we were outside of Mitch's surf shop, and I ran into my friend Mike Powers, and he was like, dude, I'm taking jiu-jitsu, blah, 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 
well, you know, he's like, you gotta come check it out. And then my my ex-wife, Maya, was just like, you should go. And I went. And, and dude, it was cool. Like, it was so cool. I did martial arts when I was a kid, a little bit with my one uncle. And, you know, in surfing, we have no excuse to take up a second hobby. If you're a professional surfer, you have so much free fucking time. It's ridiculous. You have plenty of time to master another sport, 100%. You know, maybe not other sports can say that, yeah. but in surfing, you 100%. It gets shitty a lot. And, and you don't really have a, a strenuous schedule that keeps you locked down to not be able to commit to it. I was still able to compete. And, and I mean, I was a blue belt when I won my last, when I won the world title in 2004, you know, um, competing actively. Like I had been competing at events and doing all kinds of stuff. So it wasn't like I couldn't do both. Yes, there's a risk of getting hurt, but get out of here, dude. You could hit your head with some slab and... Well, on the flip side of that is you're probably more fit for surfing and more... Oh, yeah. I yeah. was like, dude, it was the most best shape I'd ever been in in my life. I was always a skinny little kid that, like, you know, no one ever took me serious. You know what I mean? They looked at me like, was, you know, when I was a kid on the North Shore, all the guys from Maui called me Mary Poppins. Do you know what I mean? Because I used to ride this little 60s Schwinn with my longboard down the beach and shit. Like, I was... They always... Everyone loved me, but it was... You know what I mean? I was just this scrawny little kid that no one ever really took serious. And then... Once I started competing in jiu-jitsu and I started like having success, because I didn't just compete and get my ass beat, I was competing and I was winning. You know what I mean? And and it's a, it's probably the most physically demanding sport, other than like, you know, dude, wrestling, judo, boxing. They all kind of like you know all those things sort of fall in that same category of gnarliness because you've got somebody trying their physical hardest to either throw you, you know what I mean, like make you give up and all this different stuff and. They, the rush and adrenaline from it was so similar to like, you know, uh, surfing that it just became addicting and I had so much time and it was the first time in my life that anyone was giving me respect. You know what I mean? I had just been like, my whole life I'd been picked on for being a longboarder and then like, you know, being able to like go train with these guys who fucking never gave me the time of day and then kicking the shit out of them. You know what I mean? Like Brock Little and fucking all these guys that always teased me. You know what I mean? And then like training with them whipping his ass and having him get up and go right on Joel you know what I mean like that for me was like a uh, that was the best yeah. you know what I mean because it was a lot of guys a lot of guys that fucking never gave me the time of day and then all of a sudden oh what's up dude you know yeah. what I mean and, and, and that, that it sucks that it took that but that's why I fell in love with it you know what I mean it was it gave me an instant respect that I had never ever got you know early thing to partake in ain't easy so so many people do it and quit yeah you know it's it's hard you have to like get yourself through injuries and actually like learn about injuries and how to fix shit and like you know that's why like for me with with surfing now people get hurt and i'm like which way did your knee pop inward outward like it didn't make any noise and you're fucking you're acting like that you know what i mean because like in jujitsu do the shit i watch in here you have no idea the injuries and the stuff i've seen and like how people come back from it inspiring and it's cool because it's an open door to everybody it's a public activity in surfing you don't have to talk to the next person you can surf with a guy for 30 years and not like him and never talk to him do you know what i mean we're in jujitsu totally. that don't happen dude if you guys are in the same dojo you're gonna end up like partnering up and you're gonna have to train well interestingly surfing has so much more machismo outward facing macho-ness than 
Brazilian jiu-jitsu does. Oh, okay. Like, there's, well, there's none of it in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. No, you see how cool everyone was? Super cool. You see how cool everyone was that walked out of here? Super cool. Hey, dude. How yeah. you doing? Put it on. Yeah, exactly. What happens when you get beat up for an hour? Yeah, it's humility. You walk out of here and you don't really, like, have any issues. Exactly. Like, you know, little or, or you just people get... People or things that you thought were cool that matter don't really matter. You get it all out of your system, I think. Yeah, too. it's all gone. And it's so good for people. It's just so good. I watch it. People that don't have social interaction, you can see it, the way that they're they're awkward and they come here and it's like the one place that they got someone will start talking to them you know what i mean and they're like and i it's surfing is not like that it's very selfish dude uh like i said it's pretty pretty fucked <laughs> in a lot of ways you know what i mean it um, is and nowadays with so many people partaking in it so many new people are participating in it uh and the etiquette part's kind of like getting just completely taken away uh, you know, because you have just such an influx. There's so many people have done it. I've never seen this many people start at one time. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you can't blame them. I hear people talk shit all the time. I'm like, dude, you got to remember, every gym was closed everywhere. Like, all activities, with the exception of the beach, were shut down all around the world. So you have all these people that, for the first time ever, caught a wave and were like, fuck, that was cool. And now you got all these softboards, which are accessible for all them to get to. Because before, you had to buy a surfboard and get your ass beat. You know what I mean? And take the stitches and clonked in the head. And a lot of people after like one or two days are like, no way. Yeah. You know, now you can get softboards at every Costco and different things. And, and so the accessibility is there. And you got cameras that tell you how to get there in this whole direction. It's way easier than it ever was. Totally. Um, but in that sense, if there's going to be that many people doing it, fuck, man. Pay attention. <laughs> well, the, the hierarchy is needed now more than ever. Yeah, but there's a kid hierarchy. This is what I try to explain to everybody. Dude, you can't hierarchy anymore. You're in this like weird situation where you just can't do it. It's, it's, you get in trouble, man. It's not worth it. You got cameras at every break, like four different angles. You can't even yell at anybody, you know. Uh, but I will say this people talk shit about localism all the time, and surfing gets this really horrible picture painted to where they're the only activity that does it. And that, that is inaccurate. If you play basketball in a neighborhood, the court's public, dude, 100%. Five o'clock, it ain't open to everybody. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's open to the neighborhood and the kids that play there and you have to work your way in to get it. Certain famous courts, like in New York City and shit, go at five o'clock and take your ball. Say, it's my turn, it's public. See what happens. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Good luck with that. You know what I mean? And you have to remember the majority of the world is still kind of third world. You know, a lot of those dudes at those surf spots are cousins with the cops, or they might be a cop, or they're related to a cartel member, or they're, you know what I mean? So you kind of have to, like, I know in California it's it's real common of just, like, you be a dick and then you get your phone out and film somebody and, like, hope you can take their job if they say something shitty to you or whatever. But, like, the rest of the world, dude, you might be spitting teeth, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, was it worth it? You know what I mean? Yeah. To, like, be a dick and say some stupid shit. And, and that's what I try and tell guys that travel all the time. Because I live next to Mexico, so I have, like, a real reality check on, like, what you can do on one side of the fence and what you can on the other. And then that other side of the fence is really, like, what the majority of the world is like when you travel and you surf. I try and explain this to people a lot because I've been everywhere, luckily. I was luck lucky enough to be able to travel and, and Surfing got me to those places. But I studied the lineups while I was there. I also studied the surrounding areas and, like, looked around at how fucking rundown shit was. And I was like, oh, can you imagine what the prisons are like here? Totally. Can you imagine what the, you know what I mean? And it just kind of keeps you on this, like, humble level of, of, 
And also, like, every major good wave in the world that's, like, a world-class level has got localism, I hate to tell you. Not pipe. I mean, pipe, it's all but gone away, I feel like. Well, because, dude, in Hawaii, it's different. The property value has gone so through the roof, and anybody that owns anything ain't going to do shit no more. That's the problem. But if you screw up and you end up putting your family in jeopardy and they lose their house, they ain't ever going to fucking be able to come back. Yeah. You know, your gentrification is going to send you to Vegas, dude. Totally. So that's why Hawaii's changed, because most of those guys that are talking shit and, and did all this stuff in the last years, their parents were working class and bought a house and fucking property and different things so it's a lot of those guys are like and they're in line to get it now parents are getting older they're my parents age so a lot of them that are in a situation to be able to say something or do so you ain't doing nothing yeah you're gonna ruin your gravy train totally. you know just to go and fucking because you got dropped down on and yeah. that, that people need to remember like my family i learned that the hardest way possible my dad got in that fight in the 90s and you know he lost everything lost his house he's still doing construction at 72 years old because he doesn't own a house. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's paying for that. He'll pay for it till the grave. Crazy. So I saw it firsthand, and he didn't even start the fight. Right. You know what I mean? It was the other guy started it. But, you know, in, in court, if you don't have the start on film, you know what I mean? You're, right. You're, you're, open, you're open to getting taken out, and he got taken out. Uh, I keep that in mind, and every time I get into a confrontation, and I've been in plenty, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, it'll come to the final minute, and I'm like, man, this shit ain't worth it. I ain't losing all the shit I have. Well, I'm surprised that you'd even find yourself in confrontation. Dude, I'm I feel a longboarder. Like, well, everybody knows who you are, and everybody knows you're a black belt world yeah, champion. Yeah, people are dumb, man. You wouldn't believe how, like, stupid people are. I guess it's like, and people go out of their way to test you in the event so they can sue you. You have I to remember this day and age. Yeah, I can see that's that. That's a real, like, that's the way people are manly nowadays. Look at you, I took your house, you know? Yeah. So I've, I know when I'm getting dragged into that situation, and I just avoid it. That's shocking. The it's people, shocking. The people you just do. have to be aware of it. That's where we're at. That's, yeah. That's this day and age. And, and yeah. There's nothing to do about it. You can't get mad. It just, it is what it is. It's just not even worth confrontation. Um, but and that being said, in America, a couple parts in Europe, a few places, you know, yeah, it's, it's an issue. But the rest of the world, but you travel, be careful, man. All the kids that are going around the world and filming places and doing stuff and just be careful. It's early out there. Do you think, plan it. Do you think that hierarchy would ever, can ever get put back into place at a place like Pipe? No. Genie's out of the bottle. It's out. What are you going to do, man? I think you're going to get a lot more of like people saying shit to the crowd. And, and, I mean, the boys get the waves no matter what. The guys that live there, they're getting the waves no matter what. Yeah, but they're getting blocked. They're I mean, getting they're blocked. They're getting like, dropping in on them and people fucking, there's like nine people in the way. That's and the like problem. That last wall was the wildest shit I've ever seen in my entire I didn't even surf. I just sat on the beach and watched. I was just like, I have no place out there. I'm going to get in the way. I don't even want to get in the way, you know? But there was 100 people who were way less qualified than you who were in the way. I got it. But let them do it, you know? That's all. Yeah. I'll pass. Yeah. I'll wait for smaller days. I'm also getting older, dude. I don't want to be out there on that kind of stuff. It's 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 uh, it's this way everywhere. There's 300 people out at Superbank. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just there's that many people serving. You yeah. go to, to Barra, it's packed. You know, anywhere good, it's it's going to be crowded. You just have to learn to, to, to rotate. That's the cool thing about Pipeline. It's teaching my oldest son, like, patience. You know what I mean? Like, I waited three hours to get a wave, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but it was worth it. You got a sick one, you know? And so it's like teaching him the rotation, being patient, you know, learning which ones you can take off on, figuring out who the local guys are, waiting your turn, 
You know what I mean? How's it feel? To shit. How's it feel to have him in the pipe, yeah. Masters? Huh? That's cool. He did good today. Uh, he had a hard heat, um, but the experience—it's just for the experience. Being able to go out there and surf with four guys in a round is like life-changing. You know, you don't get that very often. So, lucky for him, you know, Vans has some wild card spots available. You know, that they could do it. The wild card thing's nothing new. Every whoever's the sponsor of the actual pipe event, all the way back to Marui back in the day, there was always wild cards that were put in. Lopez would put his guys in, you know, different people. Vans got to put Tosh and a few other people. Billabong's always put, you know, random guys that ride for him. So, you know, he knows how lucky he is. And I tell him all the time, like, you know, count your blessings, dude. Not every kid gets this opportunity. And, you know, yeah. I, I shit, if you ever meet him, my kid's cool as shit. He ain't got no ego. You know, I, did, I, did, I made him surround himself by adults that actually had shit going on and and were motivated and, and doing stuff, and it, it works. Good. Um, how'd you get involved in board building? In board building, I, uh, you know, by default, as I read for Takayama at 12, writing for him, you had to spend a lot of time in the factory. You know, you couldn't just, like, come pick your boards up. You actually had to, like, hang out and go barbecues and different shit. And then my brother started shaping when I was 12, Donald felt bad because I was getting all this attention, so he asked my brother if he wanted to shape, and he taught my brother when he was, like, 14 or 15 how to shape and how to glass and how to, like, all the shit. So my brother was super talented, uh, but he just, he doesn't like building surfboards because everyone wants a discount. <laughs> and he builds, he's a carpenter. You know, I come from a carp carpentry family, and he learned how to do it, and he was like, you know, he's like, if you cheap out on me on payment of a house, I'll build you a crooked house. You know what I mean? He was like, when surfboards, he's like, I build this board, put all this time in it, and everyone that picks it up to like, wants a discount, and wants this, and he's just like, nah. He goes, I learned early on that I'm not going that route, you know? So he just kind of like got away from it. But he was, being around him is how I kind of learned a lot of stuff. Okay. And then, in, you know, with Donald, he involved me in all of it, and then my, my interest in, you know, weird surfboards and different shit, I had to kind of take it on my own to be able to recreate that stuff, not that I was building it, but I had to do the homework on how to track it down and how to get the template and get it to Donald and beg him to do it, and you know what I mean? And then through him, watching him do it, then when I ended up connecting up with Stu Kenson, I kind of had the formula. I knew what it took. And then, and then Stu and I spent, you know, years working together. Um, and, you know, he's a machine, that's such a machine, and capable of kind of like whatever I came to him with an idea and he would be like, eh, really? Fuck, all right, whatever, we'll make them, you know. And he would do it. Where a lot of guys would do it, and he'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, we made those already, those don't work, oh, fuck, that shit sucks. Which is, you get a lot with the older guys, they get kind of salty because they've gone through the deal, but they, Donald and Stu in particular both understood that maybe they had moved past certain designs a little too quick. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? And, and going backwards wasn't going to hurt, you know, and my curiosity to do it. Here's a difference. I wasn't like going backwards and like riding them at fucking Malibu or like some soft ass little wave. I was taking them to Pipeline. I was riding them at Big Rock. I was taking them to like Waves of Consequence because I really wanted to experience all the same shit that the generations past had done so that I couldn't say I didn't do it. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to walk that same walk so that I could like fill those shoes, you know? And, and you know, Donald was the perfect environment for that because he had done it all you yeah. know what I mean he had done it all from wood to you know I'm still learning about the shit he made even today I'll see stuff I'm like well he made those fuck no way uh, 
you know, it was it was between those two, I had just like this insane opportunity, and 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 I was lucky enough to where I was making enough money to be able to start my own board company after Donald and I had parted ways, you know, and I just invested all of the money I was making back into making surfboards. Do you know what I mean? Just making my own shit, and constantly making stuff, and working on this and coming up with that and doing with this and taking that template and redoing these ones and redoing and then it was like never ending. And I look back at it now, I mean, it was expensive and, you know, I spent a lot of money on surfboards but the, the education was on fucking YouTube. I learned shit that no one else learned because mm. all the people that know it are dying. Yeah. Um, tell me or tell listeners, what is surf, uh, Lamination San Diego? Lamination San Diego, so... A couple of years ago, I won Diamond Clothes. I kind of made a, I made a post, and I told everybody, like, I hope you understand what's happening. I was like, this is not funny with these old big factories closing down. I go, because when they close, those big factories are gone. Do you know what I mean? And no one's going to go with their own money and reopen one and go through the hassle of dealing with the city and all the shit, because it's a pain in the ass to deal with resin. It really is. It's not an easy feat. You can't just go open a glassing factory. You know what I mean? You go Not in California. No, it's state. It, if you are going to do it, they're going to want you out in the desert. You know what I mean? Or or you're going to have to spend so much on ventilation and the build-out that it almost makes it not I feasible. have the most environmentally sound factory in America. I can say it with confidence. If anyone wants to challenge me to it, come on down. But I know one will because you got a lot of people that have got factories that are fucking way behind Yeah. with... EPA and all kinds of shit. And, and because I started and we did it now, we had to go above and beyond the call with charcoal filters and scrubbers. And you know what I mean? I mean, I went like out of control with what we did with ours. So I'm proud of that. I don't really claim environmental anything because surfboards aren't. You know what I mean? Uh, I know better. But that's manufacturing in California, but you're held to a higher standard America, than you are elsewhere. I pay for peace. I pay American workers. I ain't slave labor in anybody. Uh, you know, and at the same time, we're keeping the art part of it alive because that's how our whole industry was created, was through surfboards. You know what I mean? And the second that we start all just conveniently not caring and, like, letting it all be made. I use computers. I ain't talking shit. When you're mass-producing stuff, it's great. You know what I mean? But it cannot be the future. You cannot make designing boards on a computer the future. It is still best done by hand because your eye sees things put straight and different things in a board that a computer will round out and make safe and make curved. Do you know what I mean? And and I just trip out that, that we're getting to a point where even the old guys are like, I don't want to look at this the best way. And they're like, dude, you're high. This is not the best way. Like, actually standing it up and redrawing it and looking at it with your eye over and over and over again is the best way. Computers are cool. If you're trying to mass produce the same thing over and over again to get that particular magic board out to everybody, great. When you're actually designing and trying to like break shit down and, and do new things, nah, that's not the way. Um, so, Lamination San Diego is a glass shop. Yes. Is there shaping bays? We've been there a little over a year. We have two shaping bays. Ryan Birch has the one. The other one's open to whoever wants to use it when they're in town, which is kind of like you're supposed to do that because there's just not a lot of shaping bays around for people. And for people that come in glass stuff at our place, we'll let them use the room. But Birch took the one room. My distributor and partner is Ryan Burtz's distributor and Derek Disney's. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff going through. Yeah, whose boards are you laminating? Uh, we laminate his. We do this surf shop called Hermosa Surf. We do Alex Lopez, Jerry's boards sometimes. Uh, we do Jeff McCallum. 
We'll do occasionally Rich Pavel stuff when he's in town. Uh, we kind of do whatever. I don't really have... As long as you're cool and you pay your bills, come on down. I have yeah. no issues. Um, Even if I've made fun of you, I'll still glass <laughs> your shit. You know what I mean? And that's what people got to understand. If I've made fun of you, it's because I kind of like you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that it's shocking and that that sentiment is gone. It's like fucked the people, up. Yeah. Hater. He's a Hater. It's like, what, dude? No, I, if I give you shit, it's because I care. Totally. Like, you're my friend, or I actually think what you're doing is cool, and I'm going out of my way to give you some shit because you're being a creep. Or, yeah, I didn't or, make you, it this or far. otherwise you would just ignore it. I didn't make it this far without people doing that to me, mm-hmm. and I still get it. Yeah. Fuck, I was in water the other day, and Perry Dane paddled out and just started fucking roasting me in the lineup at V-Land, you know? And Taj was, like, looking at me cracking up. I'm like, see, it's fucking needed, dude. You still have to, like... Well, we're in this, like, really sensitive time where, like, people just don't like it's like some damaging thing and it's like no tough love still needs to exist it's character especially building. in surfboard building holy shit you ain't gonna last a second if you can't take some critiquing or at least you know the art of being made fun of yeah or make fun of yourself you know yeah. what i mean because it's it's a learning process and you're learning from grumpy ass dudes that smart resin all day <laughs> and resin makes you fucking grumpy if you're in there all day that shit you walk out of there you're like oh you know so you have to kind of keep that in mind and have some thick skin and not you know it's like i chose longboarding as a young kid i knew then i had to have thick skin i did it's helped you know it made me who i am yeah and i think we kind of get gotta get back to that same place do you know what i mean of I like agree. like because surfing's funny as shit and a lot of the old timers are hilarious and the heckling and all of that is part of like grommet life and grommet abuse it makes you who you are do you yeah. know what i mean yeah uh and we need to get back to that. Getting yelled at is not that big of a deal. If you're fucking dork, you ask for it. You know what I mean? If you screw up in your car, you know what I mean? You drive through a parking lot and you almost hit a bunch of kids, you're going to get yelled at. Yeah. You might get your ass beat. You know what I mean? Rightfully so. Surfing, you're probably going to get yelled at if you do that kind of shit. If you ride your foil through a lineup and you fucking almost run over a bunch of kids, you're going to get yelled at. Yeah. If you drag your kids sideways and none of you know what the fuck you're doing and they all cause a pile up, you're going to get yelled at. You know what I mean? If you catch too many fucking waves. And you have no etiquette. You can't wait for the dude next to you. You didn't see the three people that are sitting there. You fucking catch an earful. You deserve it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, good. this is the shit that needs to be need to hear this in surfing. Like, this fucking, you're not, no one's a jerk. You fucked up. Totally. You're fucking uncool with your surfboard or your softboard or your fucking stand-up board or your longboard or your fucking foil. Yeah. Like, dude, you're getting yelled at for a reason. Don't take it personal. Don't go back and try and take that person's job. Don't call their <laughs> fucking employer. You know what I mean? Man up and own that you did it. And this goes for, like, the yoga moms. You know what I mean? For the fucking old dude that has the 11-footer. For the guy that has the glider. Like, all the shit. Everybody's got to own up to, like, being a dickhead, you know? Totally. Even me. If I catch too many ways at Big Rock, JoJo or something, I'll fucking slow down. You know what I mean? Totally. It is what it is. Yeah. And, and, and don't get mad. That's what I say to guys, too. Don't get mad at localism because you deal with it in your job. You don't say shit. On your first day at the job, you get to come in and yell at the dude that's been there for 10 years? Fuck no. You'll get fired. You know what I mean? Remember that. It's the same thing. I don't care if Flipper fucking no one owns the ocean. Flipper owns it. Bullshit. Some of those guys have been there a really long time, you know, like forever. Like helped keep the balance and all that stuff. Have some respect. Yeah. Don't jump the line right away. Don't be a dick. You're going to get a good one. Over time, if you're nice to everybody and, like, you can get a wave, you know? Well, the only way you'll get that wave is if you learn from those people that you're getting in the way of. Hey, they, w- they will show you the way. My son travels around. I get 
text messages if he's got a filmer somewhere he's not supposed to have. Have guys message me, hey, your kid was up here last week, Tom, fucking leave the camera behind. And I'll message him, be like, hey, I'm gonna take a fucking camera there again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm being cool. I'm telling him valuable stuff. He wants to go surf these waves that are slabby and, and, and uncrowded. Don't go, don't take anyone with you. Yeah. Go by yourself. You know what I mean? Don't, don't well, go with a bunch of people. If you have to, take a sticker off your board. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's a way that's not gonna get photographed, and it's like it's a, you know, because like sometimes the thing you understand having those stickers all over your boards, maybe not at like Snapper, where it's like yeah, my professional sip, and yeah, my, you know, like we're like those guys get all the waves, but most of the world, dude, the more sponsored you are, the more fucking picked on you're gonna get. For sure. You know what I mean? Because you're the person that's gonna geotag it. You're the one that's gonna bring and fucking do all this stuff. So it's like yeah. Rightfully so, you should be the one that's going to take a bunch of shit. Yeah. You know? Uh, All of those rules that you're talking about, whether it's the driving the car or, or that, it's for the betterment of society. Those rules are there to protect the resource and to ensure that everybody has access to the resource, not the opposite. And yeah. so what people don't understand that are just getting into it is, it's like, if we eliminate that, then it's pandemonium, and then the government's going to jump in at some and point. That's what and the lifeguards are going to show want. up and dictate who can go out and who can't. And you don't, you don't want, want that. You don't want that. So that's why I'm saying just some, some mutual respect. You know, I understand some people have been there longer than you. I do it when I go certain places that I'm not from. I have to, like, sit in line. And yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Obviously, when I'm here, there's a few places. Yeah, I'll take a few waves for sure. I'm not going to say I don't. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not going to lie. I do. But I think anybody does at their own home spot in yeah. particular, whether it's, you know, from me to freaking, you know, to Aki. Yeah. He's catching waves when he's out at his home spots, you totally. know what I mean? And then if you get in his way, you're kind of a dork, you know what I mean? You're kind totally. of a if you go out of your way to get in his way. If I'm out there, I just want to watch cool. Aki. Yeah, I to mean, surfing's the most interesting activity where you actually get to be with the very best in the world that do it. Where, like, everything else, that's never going to happen. No. You ain't playing basketball as Michael Jordan. I'm gonna get close to him. You know what I mean? You're not gonna be hitting mitts with Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know what I mean? All that kind of shit. We're surfing. You can get right next to Kelly Slater. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you can go home and talk shit to him via your cell phone. It, it's the I've truth, seen you dude. do it. This is that. No, let's get something straight with me and him. We're friends. We've been friends since we were both teenagers, right? I've only given him shit one or two times, and what I gave him shit over. We're in my school right now. This is a jiu-jitsu school. In the jiu-jitsu world, belts are fucking important. Right, and how people earn them is super important. And the most important belt in earning wise is white to blue. It's the most difficult one to get. You know what I mean? Because it's like you just get fucking destroyed in the process to do it. I mean, like ass whippings that you take are like nothing you'll ever forget. And and you know, he was like putting a fucking blue belt on when he wasn't. Uh, he was literally doing it for pictures because he didn't want to look like white belt. You know what I mean? Which in this sport, dude, is the fucking corniest thing you could ever do. And we're friends. So I was just telling him, like, dude, you know how legitimate I am in this shit, right? Like, you you realize how fucking corny that is that you're doing that? Like, you're fucking embarrassing yourself, dude. You're embarrassing surfing by doing that. Like, do you know how many surfers have gone through the fucking, like, gone through the ringer to, like, get their belts? And then, like, you're actually posing with a belt that you didn't earn. It's fucking, it's kind of like, kind of gnarly. Yeah. Well, of course, no one understood that I'm just giving a friend shit, which I, I, if I were to come in here tonight and explain to everybody, like, hey, dude, what would happen if someone gave themselves their own blue belt? You know what I mean? Everyone started laughing. You know what I mean? They'd be like, that guy's going to get smashed. 
like that's the kind of stuff that's the, that's the culture of how jujitsu works like that person that has a target on their head you know what I mean? you have to take it off too so take it fucking away from you if you did that um, but we I just gave him shit yeah but we're friends and then it just turned into like this shit storm like all these different sporting sites and fucking beef between I was like what beef no beef, dude. We're friends, and I could say it to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, you had to know though. Yeah. That if you say it publicly on Instagram, that yeah, people but are going to run I don't, with the headline. I don't because I only talk shit to people that are my friends. Yeah, and, yeah. And and if you know me, you know that I'll say it to you right to your face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not just like fucking doing it because it's. Well, I know or you're. Saying, like, I'll say it to you in front of thirty people. You know what I mean? I know you're not, but uh, of course that the news outlets are going to run with the story. It would just be surprising if Kelly got his feelings hurt about it because he knows you guys are no friends. No way. Yeah. He wasn't even bummed. He, I did. We talked. Did, did, whatever. Yeah. I mean, dude, he's come to my school. He's trained. You know, yeah, yeah. different. He's been to a bunch of different stuff. I was just in a situation where I could say something, and I did. I was like, man, you realize how fucking corny that is, right? Yeah. And then I turned into the bad guy, and I was like, dude, this is just an example of how fucking backward social media is. You know, I didn't even do anything wrong. I was doing him a favor as a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like trying to help him. Like, bro, you gotta knock that shit off. You know. But, you know, that's just the reality of social media. We're in this, like, screen grab era where people screen grab stuff and they misinterpret it. You know what I mean? And then they make it their own battle internally when they don't really understand what the fuck is going on. Well, honestly, I don't think they take it that serious either. I think they're doing it just to have fun. Yeah. It's just fun. It's like, did you see what Joel said to Kelly? Ah, like, and then you make, make a scene about it. It wasn't even a scene. I, I mean, it's fun for all the fans to just think that there's a rift or to talk shit. But understand, know? like when you guys, when two people have known each other since they're little kids, do you know what I mean? Uh, you're a, you're afforded a right, like you you, were, you have a, a different dialect with somebody than most people. Do you know what I mean? And I don't really like, I forget sometimes that with, with social media, you actually have everybody listening in yeah. on what you're saying. Uh, I think maybe my age doesn't acknowledge exactly how far it reaches, you know? Because I'm still used to, like, calling and, and leaving, you know, messages on the answering machine type shit. Yeah. Call waiting, you yep, know what yep. I mean? Like, that kind of stuff, I don't, like, I just don't think about it. But, yeah, I, um, social media is fucking wild, dude. People are so crazy. Back to the resin sniffers. Give them a shout-out. Who are the guys? Who are the laminators at your place? Who are the uh, sanders? Well, so Alex Villalobos has been working with me forever. Uh, we got paired up. You know, at the time when I was, I got really lucky with Takayama because we were able to kind of like in an, in an effort, kind of put resin work back on the map before he and I started really like mass producing, doing abstracts and tints and all this different shit because I didn't really like the way surfboards were going. I didn't dig it. This was like 1993, 94. This is when I was coming out of all that pink wetsuit shit and bright airbrushes. And I just didn't, personally, I didn't understand why all of the, the craftsman part of it, the, the cut lapping and the resin swirls and like all the shit glassed on fins. And I couldn't understand why it was going away. And, and I came to Donald with this like vision of wanting to do it and push these boards and do all this stuff. And he did it and it took off, dude. And our tiny ass little factory went from like making nothing to like at one year we were making 2,700 boards, you know? Uh, and the whole world kind of took notice and, and resin slowly made a fucking comeback. You know what I mean? Like, it went from, like, clear sanded finish, you know, ding-dong work to, like, all of a sudden, you know, Jeff Prindle showed up, which is insane. People don't know who Jeff Prindle is. Jeff Prindle pretty much did everything cool with resin you've ever seen. 
And he went on to in invent the Prindle cat, which was a Hobie cat in that particular time that was huge. And Prindle showed up because we had there was so much resin work, and he was hearing about it. Prindle showed up. He was like, "Hey, I heard you guys are doing resin color again." And then he was there for a while. And then Wayne Hoshizaki showed up, and that was where shit really got wild because he was like the samurai of resin color and was capable of doing eighteen in a day. Eighteen in a day for all you guys that call yourself fucking laminators can't do three. 18 sides in a day, you know what I mean? And it just, it, it kicked this, it kicked the ball going, and then we had people like Tyler Zekian and different people that were pushing it and doing it too, and it just, it, it came back, you know what I mean? It made a comeback. And, and Alex, when Donald and I parted ways, uh, he and I somehow by coincidence ended up being put together, and then, you know, when I parted ways, I had, I was doing a lot of boards with Donald, and I was starting my own label, and everyone knew to the extent of the resin color that I was doing, and I actually shopped around. I went to Greg Martz up in Orange County, and I went to Peter St. Pierre at Moonlight, and it was funny. Everybody at that time was like, you want to do resin color? Yeah, good luck with that. Like, they were like, no one wants that anymore. Everyone pretty much, Peter St. Pierre, my favorite one ever, I told him I wanted resin color, and he goes, oh, don't do that. No one wants resin color. Just do airbrush. They won't know the difference. They won't know the difference, you know what I mean? And and that was, that fucking that one hurt. I was like, dude, they're a lot smarter than that. And yes, there's an audience for it. And whoa, you're completely wrong. You know what I mean? And and actually I ended up going to Tony Channon and and Tony was like, I'll do it. You know, because Tony was a, a laminator from the seventies and he realized how much money he was gonna make all of a sudden with, with color laminations as opposed to doing, you know, $25 lamb jobs for Channel Islands. Do you know what I mean? It was like, all right, I'll do it, you know. And then when I started doing it, we started doing so many that Tom Everly from, this is how Alex, I'm sorry I'm running around, the story's going all over the place, but this is how Alex comes into the picture. Tom Everly of Lightning Bolt fame did all the Lightning Bolt laminations back in the day, like all those Mark Richards bolts, the yeah. burgundy bottoms of the yellow decks, he lammed those things. He was down the end, and he had this tiny-ass little shop called West Coast Lamination, and, and he was seeing all the shit that was going on at Tony's, that's when he came to me and he was like, do you need another lamination shop? He's like, because I'll take all the small boards, give him all the long boards. So I gave him all my small boards. And Alex all of a sudden was in this unique situation where he had just like, he got to walk the laps that no one got to walk. Do you know what I mean? At a time yeah. when no one was walking that lap. And then, and then through me being such a fucking out there stoner kid coming in with old magazines and digging up all this shit that no one was paying any attention to. Do you know what I mean? He got to, like, get access to stuff that no one had. Do you know what I mean? And and through Eberly being the fucking ball-busting, you know, uh, old-schooler that he was, telling him he sucked and spitting sunflower seeds at him, and, you know, oh, you use a, you use a lap tool? Oh, bro, you suck, you know? Yeah. Do it by hand. Use a razor blade, like, all this shit, like... Alex ended up becoming the best laminator in the fucking world, which is just bizarre. It's bizarre to think. Do you know what I mean? Because all the old guys are old now. They can't do much anymore. You know what I mean? There's only, what, five of those guys left on the planet. Think about that. Five. This is why we need to really think about what's going on right here. There's five, dude, of the old schoolers left still laminating. That's not funny. And, well, it's There's not, millions yeah. of surfers. Millions and millions of surfers. Five people. You know what I mean? And not, and no one's uh, not enough apprentices underneath None. to learn. What and they, the apprentices, there ain't even 25. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
in, in the fucking world, yeah. you know, that are out, like, trying to pick up this craft. And Alex got in that situation where he's just like, you know, and, I'd, and then I'd, I'd challenge him and bring him stuff, and we'd have ideas, and then he would do Dude, and now he's in the situation where he could do whatever he wants with resin. He's the only person on earth that could do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to say that, but I could say it with confidence. Like, I've seen all the other dudes. They're like, this guy's a magician. And you're like, how many does he do a day? You know? And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, you can sit down. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Stop talking, you know? What about Sanders? Sanders, it's even worse. That's even scarier. This is the shit... Like, dude, everyone's selling us off. And, I, and I'm guilty. I did the China thing one time as a kid. I did it when I was young. Surf I got talked into it by Velzi and Takayama. Both talked me into it. That's how long ago I did it. Dale Velzi was still alive. Well, it was mid-2000s? 2005, 2004. Yeah. Uh, and they were both coming at me going, Joel, you can't turn down the free money. You know, because for them, it was the first time ever that they had ever gotten a fucking check for free from the surf industry. They actually had to make every check from surfboards with their hands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they were getting these checks for like two grand a month, 2,500 bucks a month. And like, dude, it was huge. So SurfTech licenses your name, makes a yeah, model, and, 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 and mass produces Donald and it. I had parted ways, and it was his way of trying to get back in my good graces, because we parted over money, you know? It was, wasn't over me doing anything wrong. He was just in a financial situation where he had to choose, am I going to take this money that I've never had before? Am I going to give half of it to this kid that I did everything for, who was financially okay? You know what I mean? And he, it was the hardest fucking thing he ever did. He had to like literally walk away from me. That's how small the peanuts are on our side of the fucking pond. Yeah. Okay? Uh, he had to walk away from the greatest thing he ever, you know what I mean, created surf-wise and, and, you know, so that he could actually take care of himself. And, and later he came back to me and offered, you know, let's do the surf tech thing, this holy shit. And I was like, no. My pride was there. I wasn't going to, like, go back. You know what I mean? I probably should have done it, but I didn't. And, and I did it myself. But he set it up. And he actually... Gave me his royalty, which no one else got. He and Velzi, because they were of the first group that did it, they had this royalty that was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that were superseded. This is what was, you know, I, I admit I did it for a couple years and I fucked up, but I did it because they set me up to do it. Yeah. Would you do it if Dale Velzi and Donald Takayama went and did it for you? Probably. Yeah, yeah. you would. And you know what I mean? You're saying the royalty, the higher commission. They rate. gave me the highest of the commission. Before SurfTech figured out that Before they should they be paying that much. Before they could go in and much. give guys $25 and $40 a board. Right, right, right. I had this, like, grandfathered in clause yeah. by the two dudes. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and so I did it. And But when I did it, my Japanese distributor was freaking out. He was like, dude, you are committing suicide. He was like, these guys are like Walmart. He goes, they take free product and drop it at our accounts. And then our accounts aren't going to fucking order the surfboards. And he's like, and then you're screwing Alex and everybody at home for what, an extra 1500 bucks a month? Like, is it worth, like, I didn't understand because I was a kid. I'm old, I'm 45 now. I'm sorry, 46. I get what he was saying. Do you know what I mean? He was like, you are committing suicide, dude. We have all this shit set up. What are you doing? You know, and I did it and I did it for like three years, four years. And, and then I stopped because it really did. It cut back on all of my orders that were keeping my guys at home. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I knew that I had fucked up, so I pulled the plug. And I've been an advocate of not doing it ever since. Yeah. Because I understand how much it affects the little garage builders that used to sell five and six every month or two months to these different accounts that now they go to those shops. And they're like, hey, dude, you know, Firewire just dropped off 60, and I don't have to pay for, you know you know, 90 to 120 day terms. And then they take them back if they don't sell. Mm -hmm. Like I'll take your boards, but you gotta do an consignment. 
this yep. is really what's like, people have to understand. This is what's happening, you know, and and that's why I pulled the plug. Do you know what I mean? I was like, fuck, I can't do that. I'm like, I'm screwing my friends. Do you know what I mean? Guys, yeah. I literally stayed overtime to sand my board so I could make it to that contest. Yeah. To win that world title, do you know what I mean? Because if I didn't have those guys fucking the Dale Dobson's putting my fin boxes in when they were done wrong, and they're like, I wouldn't fucking be world champion. Yeah, right. So I learned to bite the bullet and learn to take the loss, and go the other way. And it's really crazy that our most wealthy people in surfing, who have made more money than anybody, don't do that. Yep. Won't do that. I could have just fucking put a down payment on a house for the factory. Do you know what I mean? But I opened. I actually didn't. Do you know what I mean? That was money I saved for years. I put it back, my own fucking money, back into the industry. Do you know what I mean? So that my friends can have a job. So that the kid that wants to train under Wade or train under Alex or train under Alex Banning, who's the other sander, or train under Justin, who's the fin guy, and learn how to lay up fins and how to do fin rope. And to, like, I'm getting pissed off. Tra this shit it's like dude what are what are we doing do you know what i mean yeah like thank everybody before it's too late we don't really have we don't have a lot invested in it to where it's going to survive if if we don't like throw a wrench in it right right now like <laughs> pull the fucking brakes <clears throat> and go backwards you know i i wouldn't have all the shit that i have if i didn't like grow up in a factory around all those fucking dudes, do you know what I mean? That yeah. actually like went out of their way to help. So if now during my suspension and all this other shit, I was able to like take it and do it, cause that's what I did. During my suspension and all that stuff, I reinvested back in surfing. Um, learn from Wade. Learn from Wade, Wade. learn Wade. from- Well, learn. I'm just saying, who's Wade? Give Wade's Wade a one shot. of our sanders. Wade's been standing forever. He's actually from Diamond, the place that closed when I was telling everyone, it's like Armageddon closing, you yeah. know? Uh, we got Wade to come over. Uh, he glass, he sanded at GNS. He Wade. sanded for Skip Fry forever. He's worked around San Diego in different places. Larger, you know, Wade once, Larger. yeah, Wade Larger. Once he got to see, you know, what we had set up because my the factory is is a is a mirrored image of Takayama's first factory that used to be in Oceanside. It was a hallway with bays on the side. That way you could carry your boards, you know, freely without catching on edges, not going through weird doorways. A lot of the shops, if you go to that are existing, the big ones that are left, are so illegally built and partitioned and rooms piled on top of each other and you have to carry the board to a fucking thing to go through another deal to go through another deal. It's it's wild, you know, and I didn't want to do that. And Donald had actually, like, really... Uh, Methodically. We got to remember, he came from the Balsa era all the way up, you know, and I got there in 88, 1988 or 87 is when we made cross paths, so... He had had plenty of experience on how to do it right and how not to. By the time he actually had that spot, he had the most well-built factory I've ever been into. And 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 he didn't have super factories. We have a couple factories in the world now that were funded by really wealthy dudes that are doing it as a tax write-off. That's not reality, dude. You're not doing that with surfer money, and you're not doing it with actual boards. Right. Sales. You're doing it with someone that's a you know tax write-off. So but you you can't even talk to us in the same discussion if you don't understand what it's like to have to do it the other way. Uh, to need to make a profit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> where you have to actually like do the math on like really making money off of it and and it's it's totally different. And and a lot of it is is you're gonna take a loss at first. Do you know what I mean? Totally. You have to like you have to be prepared. It's like doing a jujitsu school, you're gonna be teaching for free for a while. If you do surf contests, you're doing it out of the fucking love. Do you know what I mean? 
And things will come, and you'll benefit from it, but you got to love that shit first. Yeah, of course. Um, kind of a detour, but what role does marijuana play in your mental health and in your diet? You're pretty public about it. I've been public about it a long time. <sighs> Surfing party is pretty hard. It's nothing new. They're pretty, pretty hardcore partiers. I ended up on the ASP at 14 and 15, so I was in exposed to some environments and I also you know jumped in the longboard thing where everyone was 45 when I was 12 so I got to watch the no-nos the what not to do live and direct the, the train wrecks were happening right in front of me and so I made a decision at a young age to which one was the least damaging <laughs> well see I'm surprised to even hear you talk about it as damaging it, it's I least, thought you were going to talk about it as beneficial it is beneficial. I'm just saying in the public eye, the way that we've been raised to think of it and through like, you know, modern media and, and, and old media has made it have this horrible fucking uh, image. I just sat back and I was like, so how the hell is booze legal? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. how the hell is these guys getting a hall pass and these guys aren't? You know what I mean? I'm like, these guys are all artistic and cool and in shape and like doing shit and not crashing their cars. And, you know what I mean? And yeah. they're like happy and I was like and this other group's like fucking snorting blow and kicking the shit out of people and like but, fucking, but somehow at every surf event we have a fucking a, a, an open bar or a beer garden or a, you know what I mean totally or you know every movie premiere every kid's got red cups and no one says a word but like us weed guys we're the fucking bad ooh you smoke weed you know and it's like I mean, I go home and eat ice cream and go to bed at 9.30. I'm not, like, like alcohol, you snort cocaine, and you yeah. take pills. Like, those are, you talking about gateway drugs? Like, you want to get your way into fucking taking pills and doing blow? It's like, take up an alcohol habit. Because, you know, at the end of the night, you want to keep going, and those are the things that keep you going. Well, and it, it damages your liver and all sorts of... It's damaging shit on yeah. earth, and it's on every fucking corner, and I can't even begin to tell you how many people are out of shape at, like, 29 years old because they just have a consistent, like, knocking beer back. I come from grappling and, and wrestling and shit where it's like, dude, you want to gain weight, drink a beer before you go to bed. You'll go up a whole weight division. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I just I I just watched too many old legend dudes where it's like, whoa man, what did you do to yourself? You did all of that with beer? You know? So yeah. that's why I chose weed. And well, so and, and, and and to be honest with you, all the medicinal properties from it, we can make sunscreen and I don't even want to get into all the, the stuff that we could use it for to fix other things. Um, it was just a way cooler crew. And, and you know. But as it relates to your life, do you feel like it's helped or hindered your goals and your ambitions and your profession and your surfing just as a whole? It's kept me motivated and interested in other things. I have passion in other things that, that I could say for a fact the, the beer drinking particular audience I've watched them one by one KO themselves, you know. I can't even tell you how many of my friends have deformed themselves with alcohol. It's just deformed. Or I just, like, they put their wetsuit on, and I'm like, what the fuck did you do? Do you know what I mean? Really? It just tastes like piss. Like, it's, you like it that much? And, and we're like, I just never saw that with the, yeah, like, consider our stoners that get, you know, out of shape and shit. But for the most part, I never really saw that in my particular crew friends and I'm aware that smoking it's not the best for your lungs I'm sure I'll get to a point in my life where I'll just eat it you know what I mean mm. uh, but so what have the benefits been then benefits mentally 
or just in any way balance you know what i mean like i'm a, i have a lot of energy like i bounce off the freaking walls i get up every morning at four I, I can't stop it's been a cool keeping me on a nice mellow balance you know where i'm just like normally like i got so much shit going on my head's going a thousand different directions and i don't know i just like the the connection of its history and all things cool, whether it's art, music, you know what I mean? It's always been a motivator for a lot of people. And for me, it's been been highly motivating, you know, since I was 16, 17. Yeah. And I've had it all. I've had shops not carry my shit, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I endorsed weed. Yeah. And, and I just figured of all the things to endorse, I'm probably, that's the least. I'm not putting more bottle caps on the beach. I'm yeah. not, you know what I mean? I, I, I chose the one thing that, that seemed cool. Yeah. And that's, it was, for me, it was a, a good choice. Yeah. I, I'm honestly, I was surprised to hear you uh, just not trying to justify it as if there's negative stigma for it. Because I think that negative stigma is gone now. I mean, yeah, I know you've lived with the negative stigma. It's not gone sti- because there's 40,000 people sitting in federal prison right now for weed. You know? Yeah. It's not gone. It'll be gone when that's gone. Yeah. I believe that it's gone when that's gone. And I've had way too many friends go away for 60 months for, you know. Yeah. For, and it, it's just ridiculous, you know. And and that's, like I said, the stigma will be gone when all that shit's gone. They let everyone out of jail and the rest of the world's cool with it, you know. And then, then the stigma's gone. Yeah. But it's wild that in all the places that it's illegal, booze is totally legal. That is wild. And all the judges that have passed judgment on minorities that have three strike rules and shit can go home and drink vodka, have wine trips with their wife, and this most hypocritical bullshit on earth. You know what I mean? They get a hall pass to relax, but these guys are sitting in jail, and that's that's the that's where I just trip out on it. You know, that part that part needs to change, and it's it's fucked that people's lives have been ruined for like. For nothing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> for nothing. Or for something that's going to, in very short order, be totally legal and not only, and deemed as beneficial. Like, what'd you do? Did you not pay your taxes? You didn't give the feds their money? Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. When corporations do that, they just pay penalties. Right. <laughs> totally. You know what and I mean? non consequential penalties, too. Yeah, yeah. They just get like, they get penalties. You know, you just have to pay it off on the back end. Right. We're like, you know, like flower growers and shit are getting, you know, 120 months. My one buddy that did, did a 60 months thing, the day that they were doing it, he was like, the, the judge was giving out 120 months and finger snaps. He said his lawyer looked at him and was just like, like, you know, yeah. that's just crazy, dude. 10 years. For weed. Um, Who's surfing are you excited about? Oh, man, I'm a huge fan of all kinds of people. It's like, it's like never-ending. And I'm still finding stuff out about old people that I didn't know. Uh, obviously, Mikey February is, you know, a favorite. Um, when he first started riding for bands, I was, like, pushing. I remember, like, you guys got to get that guy head-to-toe, you know, because he rode trifins so beautifully. He had a real stand-upright style. It was really cool. Asher Pacey's awesome. Uh, you know, Bryce Young's really good. Um, uh, Birch is incredible. Uh, his nephew's really good. Kobo, super good. Um, uh, I'm impressed with all the kids in Hawaii. Luke Swanson's really good. Makana Pang's very good. I, I'm impressed by kids that can ride all waves, small waves to big waves, you know, because I always tell people if you want to be Andy Irons, you got to be a ninja when it's Waimea. 
to Huntington, you know, and it's kind of a lost art. You know, people will do it, but they don't do it with the passion and drive that that kind of generation right. just did. You know, most kids go to Hawaii now with a six six. Yeah, Andy and Bruce had ten sixes and their quivers and shit. So it's like, I don't know. I give the most amount of respect to that particular, like, well-rounded group. And then if you can actually write a longboard in between, like, they praise you. Totally. You know? um, and there's a bunch. There's there's. Um, I think some other kids are good. That Lungi Slab kid's pretty rad. I don't from, know. From uh, Australia. Really cool. Uh, Oscar Langbrew, super cool. Big fan of Craig Anderson. Um, hold on. I, I'm going to give some shout-outs here. People <laughs> that I actually like think are really good. Um, uh, Lori Towner, incredible, incredible surfer. I'm a big fan of uh, Torn Martin. Um, uh, all the big wave guys, you know, because they're gnarly. Shit. I'm a big fan of bodyboarders. I'm a huge uh, Jeff Hubbard fan, Mike Stewart, um, kneeboarding, Rex Huffman. Uh, even the stand up paddle dudes are fucking gnarly. You know what I mean? Like, some of them are gnarly. Uh, like, Kai's super nuts. That kid Zane's super nuts. I have an appreciation of all of it. I just have a really smart ass sense of humor, dude. I was a longboarder in the 1980s. I got picked on more than anybody, so I have afforded the right to be a smartass. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's sort of like, I just feel like, dude, come on, take, take a little bit of a, uh, like I said earlier, if I give you shit, it's because I like you. Totally. Uh, final question. Whose boards are you riding? I'll ride anything, dude, if it's cool and it looks good. I have guys send me, oh, let me make you a board. If I didn't get back to you, you got to work on it a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but I look at everyone's stuff. I study all kinds of people's shit. I'm always interested in, in you know, whoever can make a down rail properly. You know, it's kind of a lost art. I look at different guys because I feel like everything's just sort of like everyone's trying to make that same like egg, egg rail, down rail, shortboard stuff that the, the, the old school, like the brewer-esque, we just saw Stick Brewer, rest in peace, you know, like that kind of stuff. I look for stuff along his lines because it's practical in all wave styles, you know. But I look at everybody's shit. I look at everybody's stuff, even people I don't like, I check it out, you know. Mm. And, and, you know, that's how you got to be. Well, whose boards have you been riding recently? Uh, Who's in the regular rotation right I, now? I ride Wayne Rich's boards. I've been riding Hank Bizak's boards since Donald and I parted ways for 20, 25 years. I won my last world title on Hank's board. I was actually the first world champion ever for Timmy Patterson. I don't Sorry, realize that. Sorry, Italo, I beat you. Wow. Maybe in 04, I rode a Patterson. That was his first world champion. I did not know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Crazy. I ended up, like, not, you know, Timmy made all the Izzy Pasquot sports, and I ended up having to adapt to the rules at that time because the way that I was surfing wasn't really catering to the way the scoring was. Sure, so sure. I went, and I was like, who made the most high-performance boards in the 1980s but had the most beautiful style? I was like, Israel. So I called Timmy because Timmy had made me boards before. I'm like, dude, can you make me the Timmy, make me the Izzy board? And he goes, I have it. Get up here. So he made me two, and I won a world title on his. Man, he's covered so many he's genres so and decades. Gnarly. It's crazy. It's insane. One eye. Yeah, it's insane. I was telling someone the other day, he, he shaped me two boards, and he charged me 80 bucks a board. And it was so sick. I was like, 160 that's it? I'll be right back. <laughs> not, not laminated. Just just the shapes. Just, just shape cheap the... that is? It's so cheap. You yeah. know what I mean? Like. Like, to spend hours at a time to, like, make your boards and, like, on the drop of a di- Like, get out of here. Crazy. I was so honored just to give him the check. Yeah, You know yeah, what totally. I mean? Like, I was so stoked. And, and, 
you know, he could do anything. Timmy's like gnarly. Uh, Stu Kenson made played a major part in my my understanding of surfboards and how to template and how to dude. I can't even tell you how much I learned from him. Um, you know, Dick Brewer. I got to work with Dick Brewer. I got to work with Rusty Priesendorfer, uh, Takiyama. Shit, I spent twelve years under um, Wayne Rich. Uh, uh, dude, uh, Mike Griffin made me a board. You know, I never got to like work with him indirectly, but we had discussions on different things. Um, you know, I'll talk to anyone about boards if you know what the fuck you're talking about. I'll talk to you. Yeah. If you've never surfed a fucking wave over six feet, don't even waste my time. Yeah. You know what I mean? If your your wave height limit is like four foot Malibu, I don't want to hear anything you have to say about surfboards because you don't know anything about wave speed and what works and critical wave faces and different things. That's why the brewers and those guys can like can shut you up and make you sit down because they actually surf pipeline. They might not have been the best surfers, but they paddled out and gave it a chance and took the risk and understood what it was like to get over the ledge. And I'll listen to Al Chapman any day of the week. You know what I mean? And like those kind of people. I was listening to him right when you walked up. He was on the broadcast. Any day of the week, dude. Yeah. Because everything he has to say is valid. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, pay attention to the people that are giving you good information and cancel out the ones that aren't. If there's anything I could take out of this conversation with me, it's, uh, that's it. And, and stay passionate about stuff. Surfing's fucking cool, man. And there's so many categories of it and areas that we haven't even touched and gone back and designed stuff. It's kind of an infinite world of possibility. If, have the creativity to do it we'll do part two cover all that yeah another time all right right on joel thanks Thank you guys yeah. the truth is that i haven't shook my shadow and every day is trying to trick me into doing battle calling out take up wanna get me rattled wanna pull me back behind the fence with the cat building your lenses digging your trenches Put me on the front line, leave me with a dumb mind With no defenses, but your defenses If you can't stand to feel the pain, then you are senseless Since this, I've grown up some different kind of fire And when the darkness comes, let it inside you Your darkness is shining My darkness is shining Thank you, Joel Tudor, for the honesty, the entertainment. One of the last real surf characters that we have in the professional surf world. So you are always a welcome guest here, Joel. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so thrilled to be able to do it. Also, I've published everything that we discussed. Footage of Joel surfing, footage of Joel Brazilian jiu-jitsuing, all on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can also access our entire archive of 441 past episodes with guests like Derek Hind, Mickey Munoz, Ben Ipa, Tom Parrish, John Pizel, William Finnegan, all of it's for free on surfsplendorpodcast.com. We're also publishing more recent episodes like this one with Tudor on YouTube. Just search Surf Splendor. And then we also have other shows. We have Spit with Scott Bass, The Grit with Chaz Smith, The Plug with Justin Jay, Surf Stories, Hardcore Surf History, The Boardroom Show, 
all of those podcasts are available on surfsplendorpodcast.com or whatever app you are listening to this show in. And then, of course, you could sign up for $5 a month to support our work and then be entered to win any board of your choice from realwatersports.com. The winner will be picked at random on January 1st. So thank you for that and your consideration. Of course, thank you to our sponsors, Florence Marine X. Thank you to waterwaystravel.com and athleticgreens.com slash surf. All right. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. I will actually be back next week with an all new episode, the final episode of 2022. And until then, I'm wishing you well and reminding you to get back into the ocean share some waves, and as always, shred on. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.